Hello and welcome to episode 180 of A Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera, available everywhere good podcasts are sold. I am this week's party host, I am Mark Robinson, as Dave Ryan is once again away on assignment, so here to have a look through everything that's been going on this week, and some news that is hot off the presses, like literally as we have gone to tape record. Um, some things we will be talking about. With me to do this is the Roman Reigns of Audio, Jack Lazell. Jack, how are you? I'm good, mate. This is episode 180, which is yep. super, super significant if you're a fan of darts, as it is the highest possible score with three darts. There you go. I, I wish I could present some sort of darts-based trivia fact for you, but I've got nothing. My it knowledge is- of darts is super limited. It is also what happens if you turn completely around and walk in the opposite <laughs> direction, <laughs> which you probably w- people might want to if I started talking about Michael Van Gerwen. Uh, so yeah, I'm just going to leave that topic Boy. well enough I, alone. I am uh, I'm changing the format this week slightly. I want to jump straight into the new news, the hot off the presses announcement that was just made literally as we went to record. Damn, son. Um, and that is the fact that Amazon have announced the Amazon Luna, which is a basically it's kind of like Google Stadia. Um, so I am just going to open up this link here. So there's two pages. So uh, you can actually go to uh, Amazon.com forward slash Luna, which is the the landing page. Uh, and currently you can request early access. Uh, I've seen some people on Twitter already have done this, and they're currently based. Uh, placed into a queue so um, you know we'll kind of see what comes from that so Luna is designed for instant play on a variety of devices Um, so this is coming to Jesus uh, PC mobile devices uh, Amazon's own fire TV hardware and starting from today customers in the US only at the moment can request an invitation for early access to Luna it's, Amazon specifies that iOS platforms will access Luna through web apps, seemingly the company's solution to Apple's prohibitive rules for cloud-based gaming, uh, game streaming via the App Store. Uh, Amazon will offer subscriptions to game channels through Luna, one of which is called Luna Plus that will feature games such as Resident Evil 7, Control, Panzer Dragoon, A Plague Tale Innocence, The Surge 2, among others, and more titles will be added over time. Uh, Jason Schreier was just on Twitter and he was talking about the fact that um, this is already well positioned to beat Google Stadia by charging a single monthly subscription for unlimited access to all games, while Google's decision to sell Stadia games piecemeal and have a monthly sub remains baffling, which is true, and and the messaging around that from day one was, was very confusing. And the fact that there's a monthly subscription and you can still pay 60 quid for Tomb Raider is, is you know, one of many, many reasons why Google Stadia was dead on arrival. Um, he did also clarify that he said this was for base games and that publishers like Ubisoft appear to be charging extra for their own supplementary channels. So this might add up quickly and it's, you know, we're curious to see what kind of audience will go for this considering... Um, like xCloud and Game Pass for me still is the way to go but hey you know you figured Amazon were going to jump into into the mix at some point Um, so you know you I I realize you've probably only just kind of seen this as I'm talking about it but any kind of early initial impressions or any early thoughts on this the one thing I will say as well is that this is going to be super super interesting because we were talking um, I want to say a couple of weeks ago about the uh, the lawsuit between Apple and Epic, 
and part of the thing with like that whole thing as well is the fact that you know Amazon have been bypassing the 30% fee that uh, Apple take for all you know purchases or whatever because Amazon like they have a like direct button so you can pay them directly instead of going to, to like paying through uh, Apple's in that purchase um and you know this looks to be a similar thing and uh you know there was everything with Microsoft not getting their xCloud onto uh, the iOS services because you know there was no direct way for Apple to review these uh, games because it was a streaming platform, and this clearly you know is that that Amazon have been able to bypass it because of the cushy relationship that these two companies have. Um, so yeah, any any early initial impressions? Yeah, so I mean right off the bat, like there are few companies in the world that could make this work, right? It probably only is a company with the sort of cash uh, reserves of an Amazon. And the just general, if you think about the infrastructure of Amazon, right, and the fact that I know for a fact definitely where we are here in the UK, and I'd imagine it's a similar uh, situation where you live in Ireland and, you know, all of the, the big countries in the world. Amazon can get you parcels and stuff so ridiculously quickly like their logistics network is second to none and that must all be built on like an extremely detailed uh set of servers and like a massive global computer network so if anyone can action something like this amazon it totally makes sense and they also have the money to be able to gamble on this like i think one of the things that we said initially or i i thought initially with the the google uh experiment in their cloud gaming was just straight away like right a company can afford to take a punt on this because if it lands it's a brilliant uh revenue stream for them straight away and amazon can definitely afford to take a punt on it when you think they've already got you know they already offer these delivery services and if you're a prime member you have like access to um all of their streaming video as well and you can see it and and apple announced this week um when they announced their new iphone they announced tied in uh sorry not their new iphone new ipad and iwatch iphone will follow later but when they announced their big stuff they they announced a new service called apple one which included their streaming platforms for music their streaming platform for video and apple arcade as well all tied in under one thing so it seems to me like amazon are trying to line up a similar scenario for themselves and just looking through it i have to say that it kind of immediately looks more appealing than uh than, than what google set up like if you look at the uh ui it's it's a very similar um ui to what they use for their streaming video platform or like what you might see on netflix and yeah the controller kind of looks pretty standard really sort of that generic kind of xbox switch controller shape that we have currently and for 5.99 that's pretty damn good um you know you're getting straight away access to resident evil control tacoma like the games that you've mentioned already like at at 5.99 a month and like i say when i like reference what apple had done where they folded everything in under one umbrella you can imagine at some point this gets folded in under the prime umbrella and prime is like how you access all of your media whether it's you know everything that we've already mentioned right but that will probably fall into place eventually so it makes total sense that amazon want to be the sort of one-stop shop 
for for anyone's media because they know physical media which has obviously always been a big chunk of their business and imagine it still is but obviously in a diminishing fashion uh is gonna go away at some point and so they're trying to i mean they're not really getting ahead of the curve because obviously companies have already done this but they're trying to offer they're trying to land their feet in this market and see if they can have a slice of that pie and it makes it makes total sense and you know be very interested to see what the reaction is to it when when people have used it and, and how it plays but uh yeah, I I wouldn't say I'm I wouldn't say I was shocked, but I am surprised I didn't see this coming at all. I don't know about you. Like I, I don't know if there's been rumors or rumblings of it around for a while. Nothing that I'm aware of, but it doesn't surprise me um, that this is here. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, like Amazon have the infrastructure that they can go for this, and and you know everyone's throwing their their two cents in for this, and I'm I'm you know I'm not surprised Amazon have giving it a crack and as you mentioned the controller is very much like the default design for what a uh, a gaming controller looks like in 2020 um you know it it pretty much just looks like the switch pro controller here or there um and i think that with the price that the initial price offering it very much like for me you know i tried apple arcade i tried the the google play subscription um and you know, though, and it, you know, I I tried Game Pass as well, just on a punt because it was only a couple of quid. So like five six quid to try this one thing out for a month is is a very reasonable price offering to say, okay, you know, we'll give this a go and see what it looks like. Um, and the fact that you know most people have a device that will be able to to stream um, this content, you know, I'm pretty sure most people are at least going to give it and so give it a go and. Maybe they'll have like some sort of trial offering for three days or something to see if you know your internet capabilities can can play this sort of shit. Um, and yeah, you know, I'd be curious as well because they they said there'll be sixty FPS and four K for uh, a set select number of titles. Um, I don't, I didn't see Destiny on there, but I wouldn't be surprised if I saw Destiny on there uh, at launch or around that period. But maybe they've got some sort of deal with with google stadia um, yeah because i know that was like the big game that they were talking about when stadia was was announced it's um, so, do you know what another interesting wrinkle just um looking through the the detail here i completely forgotten this but amazon bought twitch right so amazon owned twitch so like that is immediately gonna be a big boon for them to say to people that stream regularly or or people that have got an audience on twitch hey get our product get our service and and you know the twitch integration is going to be great obviously because it's all going to be set up perfectly because they're owning both things and they're all under that umbrella there uh and then we'll give you some money to kind of promote our product uh so it just it makes complete sense that they're just going for that full integration i mean on the you know more sort of tinfoil hat side of it, it's terrifying because it seems like Amazon are trying to <laughs> gain control of everything in in the world, uh, and they probably could with the amount of money that they have. Uh, but yeah, in- interesting. I- I'll be very. I- I'm keeping an eye on this one. I don't know. My initial thoughts are that it it seems like a better product than than what Google are offering, and it seems like the information and the release of it. It's almost been informed by the Stadia to say, like, well, when that information came out, it was confusing and patchy and people weren't really sure how it was going to work or what was going to work. And there were a lot of questions, whereas Amazon have kept it quite simple and been like, right, 4K, 60 FPS. Here's what the games are. Here are the devices you can play it on. Here's what it is. Here's how it clicks into Twitch. If you want this 
controller you can have it here you go and boom go and 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 that's how to do it i suppose yeah i i do think that um the, the simple fact that because of how much of a disaster the google stadia was there's so much you can learn from that about like how to better communicate this yes. type of platform or service and like on the 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 uh, launch page for for the Luna, like on the FAQ, they've got a few things here that um, I hadn't even considered, but they've got it straight out there. They say that you can play with the Luna controller, uh, Xbox One controller, or DualShock Four controller, um, and I imagine those will be upgraded to include the the new controllers when the new consoles come out. It talks about you know what speed you should be expecting to play with. It gives you the uh, device requirements. Um, so, you know, it's, it's pretty clear cut on most of the stuff here, but I guess the main thing will be once it comes out of early access, what the price will be and how exactly like what these, uh, channels quote unquote will look like. And, you know, will you be paying or how much will you be paying per channel? Will there be a, a flat, uh, fixed price per channel or will like Ubisoft maybe want to charge nine quid, but, um, I don't know, say Activision want to charge 12 quid, you know, it'll be curious to see how that works exactly. Um, and even then, I, I, I'm i so curious to, to know exactly, because, I mean, I think, because Ubisoft have like Uplay and EA have their their platforms, but, you know, some of these publishers don't have these platforms yet. And, and if they want to have their stuff on here, uh, surely they would want to have it like as you know people need to buy this stuff but i mean with the way game Pass is at the moment and and how that's going i mean it's, it's fascinating because i had it in the news but i guess we can mention here as well uh that uh, they've announced that doom eternal is coming to game pass um and this comes just after the announcement and i actually just realized i didn't put this in the news that microsoft purchased bethesda for all the money that has ever existed it was like 8.7 billion um it's just it's crazy times at the moment. Uh, just it is. you know, publishers are snapping up, um, and, and developers are snapping up different companies. Microsoft are buying up everyone. You've video got games sh- has, has kind of taken the turn that um, TV and stuff did a few years ago, where you get Netflix, you know, buying up various access to product, and then Amazon the same. Uh, and and I wonder if it carries on in a similar trajectory. You might get to the point where Amazon are developing games and buying their own developers or at least generating their own developers to make games exclusively for Luna. Well, uh, I know that Amazon... Oh, God, I need to find out what it was, but I know that Amazon did release... Uh, a, a, I want to say it was a Battle Royale not too long ago. Um, God, what was it? Announces new... I can't remember, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that they did release a game not too long ago but there was like no uh like no kind of press about it at all and uh god it's gonna annoy me now continue talking for a moment while i find where this game is yeah i mean that is uh if it's not um if it's not known by you uh and i've not heard of it and it's not had that much press coverage then they didn't do a particularly good job there we go it was crucible um crucible crucible and i Big think fans I think of the snooker a, are they i know right i think it was a battle royale but it just basically it, it wasn't up for long because they've already taken it down because oh, wow. it just yeah yeah it was a free-to-play multiplayer third-person shooter developed and published by relentless studios a subsidiary of amazon game studios uh it was released on may 20th 
and uh, yeah, it goes back into closed beta. It's already back in closed beta because basically, yeah, they just didn't fucking announce it to anyone. No one, no one knew about it. The critics hatcheted it as well. Yeah, which an MC I, score of fifty six, which considering yeah. the slightly overinflated review scores in the gaming industry, might as well be like three out of ten, right? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. So it's 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 fair to say that Amazon don't have a perfect track record with this kind of thing, but as you mentioned here, this is more about you know. This is nothing here about their games. This is infrastructure for streaming other games, and I think that they've got a better chance of getting this kind of thing together than... Um, I'm sort of sure at some point we'll, we'll start seeing more about their own projects, um, but for the time being, I'm, I'm more optimistic about this than Google Stadia, um, but that is grading on the lowest of lowest curves. Yeah, um, so do you want to talk about Microsoft buying fucking B- Bethesda, man? Like, I mean... It was the uh, Microsoft E three two years ago, wasn't it? Where it was basically the press conference of we bought this studio, and we bought this studio, and we also bought this studio, and you were like, oh, okay, yeah, that's smart. They're kind of buying smaller studios, maybe bring some interesting stuff kind of under the umbrella, have a bit of control, you know. Then you've got access to developers, and maybe bring yourself out a new franchise, and it's like, right, well. They took that buying strategy and they just thought, right, what's the fucking <laughs> one of the biggest tentpole gaming companies uh, um, with the most loved franchises we can think of? Oh, yes, Bethesda. And then they just went and purchased it for a disgustingly eye-watering sum of money. And you're saying, eight, was it 8.7 billion, you said, Mark, or 8.5 uh, billion? So it says, Microsoft's Xbox team significantly expanded its list of game development studios on Monday, announcing the purchase of ZeniMax Media for 7.5 billion in 7. cash. 5. The entertainment company owns several industry-leading game developers, including Bethesda Softworks, the makers of Fallout, Elder Scrolls, uh, also owns its software, so that includes Doom, Rage, and the Wolfenstein. Uh, the move grows the number of in-house Xbox game development studios to 23, yeah. up from 15 earlier, giving it control of some of the game industry's most popular franchises. Microsoft also plans to run Bethesda as its own division with leadership and structure intact. So, I mean, the good thing there is that there's no changes in in terms of the infrastructure of Bethesda. That's great. That means that... For the time being. For the time being. Yeah. But this should hopefully mean that you know, like in terms of the stability of that company, nothing changes there. You hope. Again, um, for the time being. For the time being. So we'll go on how things are right now. But I would like to think that this is Microsoft. Well, I, you say that, but you know, <laughs> uh, I, I've been reading a lot of stuff recently about the way, well, so a book that I've been reading, No Logo, um, kind of talks about Microsoft in the, how they worked with like subcontractors and, how you know two people could be doing the same job but you know one is a subcontractor and they were treated as like completely different entities and not made to feel like an employer and that was just awful i don't think this is the same thing yeah Um, i mean and i would say as somebody that's worked in a few different places that actually is a a a frighteningly regular practice yeah so there's a company called office angels uh who work in london and it's like you know they're kind of a temp agency and lots of people go and work where people need office angels or whatever for, for that and the other. And, you know, like, you know, so if there's a staff canteen, they won't get, like, access to it and they don't have the same contracts as everyone else and the management structure's all kind of all over the place. So, like, that, that happens probably more than people would acknowledge. Although I feel like 
because of the um, effect on companies financially, especially in the last six months, you probably see less of that and just companies trimming back and keeping everything kind of in-house more. Yeah, I... My my thing with all of this, um, and I you know I saw a bunch of people make these takes online was that clearly this is all just a play for Game Pass, and that you know by buying these studios, it just the amount of more the the, the more content they can have on Game Pass, and the more appealing they can make it. Uh, certainly, as we get into the lead up to the Xbox Series X and S being launched. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see a case where, you know, like Doom is going to become Xbox exclusive. Uh, I, I think that would be insane to do. No. Because uh, you, you cut off, you know, however much of the market. But I uh, do think you're going to be seeing a lot of these games appearing on Game Pass and, you know, whether it be Fallout 3 in the near future or, um, you know, the Wolfensteins and Doom. I mean, as we've already seen Doom Eternal Shop uh, in, in, like, I think a week or two. So... You know, I think that's what the play is here, and I I think it's a pretty obvious play, but it's a smart play. It's a smart play. It's it's Disney um, buying Star Wars and Marvel, um, right? Okay, so we we just have all this money lying around. Let's put it to good use. Let's let's buy an extremely valuable creative entity, bring it under our umbrella operate it in a similar fashion and just reap the profits from it so for like a massive initial investment um that they they would have paid for those uh properties from the from the companies that owned them to just bring them underneath and it's a smart way of doing it it's um why should they be off elsewhere earning profit when we can kind of take some off the top for ourselves kind of thing yeah just it, it makes it makes sense and you're right it's it's spot on you you don't want to sort of go right well we're not having you know El- the new elder scrolls game is just not going to be on playstation because that's insane because i think pr- i mean just judging from the way that the pre-orders of these next gen consoles have gone and the fact that ps5 was like rarer than hen's teeth to pre-order and you can still kind of if you want get an xbox series x tells me that um maybe just just from like looking at that that maybe sony might have had a better time on these pre-orders they're gonna have a better or bigger slice of the market than the Microsoft. So, yep, you, you definitely want to take all the cash money from there. But if you just put the games on your own streaming service, you're going to bring people in because they're going to be like, well, I could pay 40 quid or 50 quid for this new game, have the game, and that would be fine. Or I could get an Xbox. Uh, how much is Game Pass at the moment, Mark? Uh, it is, oh, it's like a tenner, 11 quid, but yeah. I've got like, the, I've got like the ultimate version because I'm playing on my PC, um, but I think... Because the, you're ultimate. Because <laughs> I am ultimate, but I think just like a standard, um, Game Pass account on your Xbox is like six, six, seven quid, I think. Yeah, so for six, seven quid, it's like, well, you know, trading in games is a thing of the past now, so... You know, we're going to see less and less physical media. We're, like You can tell from these next-gen consoles and the fact that there are now two other companies with with game streaming services that like we want to completely eliminate the need for physical media. So they're just trying to bring people... They're just trying to bring people into everyone's way of thinking. They're just trying to gently nudge you in that direction. We don't want you to be trading in games. We don't want you to be buying stuff that we have to produce it's much better just sat on our server and you can access it whenever you like. And 
in a way, initially, is better for the consumer. Like, if I want to play a new Doom game, but I don't want to... I know that I'm probably not going to replay it, mainly because I'm not that great at Doom, Mark, <laughs> which I'm sure will shock you as not a massive FPS guy. Uh, if I just download like game download it from game pass and play it or stream it from from like fucking amazon luna or whatever for like the the few weeks i'm going to spend with it and then just if i don't want that service anymore just saying no nah, that's fine I, I wouldn't have to invest a lot of money to get it so initially for us it is better i do think that there are still there are a few a, a few variables at play here um there's like i don't think physical media with games will ever die even though the industry is pushing further and further into the like the scenario that you're uh, describing here, which very much is a, a scenario that exists, and hey, I'm I'm part of that scenario at the moment. It, it won't maybe not fully die, but it will contract to the uh, to a ridiculous low. So uh, of like, course, of course, but there's two no things at play here. CDs really anymore, right? So say like in the, from a music perspective, they might buy vinyl. And the reason people buy vinyl is it's not just because they want an album. It's more the aesthetic of the of the vinyl, and it's just a cooler package. You get bigger artwork, you know. You get something tactile. It's it's nicer than just buying a CD, right? Which kind of feels a bit cold. And I guess there will be like, you know, more special edition versions of games and things like that 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 people will still want to get their hands on. But yeah, sorry. Uh, but, to but I was going to say, but I, you you've because you mentioned music there, that actually um, kind of helps me with my argument i guess i'm making here there is a slight difference between streaming a song and streaming you know whatever triple a game you want to use as an example and there is a difference between downloading a song and downloading so shall we say the latest patch for warzone and that is always (laughs) going to be the kind of like the kickback or the the argument against ever fully going into one of these two models because simply you know not everyone can do go that way like as uh, i you know we've mentioned it a thousand times in the show that in north america alone which should be you know one of the most advanced countries in the world should have stable and 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 the infrastructure for uh, solid internet access for everyone but like in a lot of the parts of that country it's fucking garbage and it's cats and all this other nonsense and simply like streaming games is just not a viable option for a lot a lot of people so i'm still not hedging my bets but i'm still very cautious and kind of treating that you know streaming uh, and and an all digital platform is is the pipe dream for for developers and publishers and whatever but i don't think it's ever going to be the absolute uh, i do think that we're always going to have those physical models until we get the those physical consoles or whatever until we get to the point where you know, we're we're in an age where everyone has strong and steady access to to um, you know strong internet, strong and but stable internet, strong and stable internet. But I just I just don't see it happening anytime soon. Yeah, may, maybe not. Uh, do you know? I mean, the next step though for these companies then is like, right? Well, I'm Amazon. Why don't I just buy an ISP? Uh, if we buy an ISP and we we provide you with the internet, then we can just mix it in. So we provide you your gaming and your films and your music and all of that. And your... So we get a Microsoft internet service provider. We get an Amazon. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Amazon decided at some point to have their own fucking internet service provider type access. Like, I could see it happening. Richest man in the world, dude. Like, yeah. 
You know, like he he can buy whatever the shit he wants. I mean, it'd be nice if he did something to like try and solve world hunger or something. Anyway, just little things like that would be nice. Yeah, just a small hey. thing, like just you know, just break off a few billion to you know make sure that you know kids aren't going hungry or. Anyway, uh, but like, <laughs> so from a more cynical corporate point of view, you buy you buy your internet provider, like you're providing the whole thing, like from from cover to cover, and then you're like, right, well, I wait for Amazon Energy then, and then Amazon start providing electricity as well. They're gonna own the future, Mark. We've really hit the end times, haven't we? Um, yeah, I I don't want to talk too much more about it because we could be here for a while, and it'd be I'd be curious to get Dave's thoughts on some of this as well. Um, we've we've covered quite a bit of the news, so we might as well just finish off the last bits of the, the news for this week. Um, talking about Xbox by the way, Game guys, Park- uh, before you sorry, Mark, sorry to interrupt, oh, no, what's but up, if up? anyone listening hears this and they think, well, I'd prefer it if he talks about the news first rather than you know like uh, what you've seen or uh, you know what we've been playing or any of that. Let us know because we we are adaptable as human beings, you know. Uh, Amazon haven't purchased us yet, so as of now, we are actually the masters of our own destiny, are we not, Mark? So uh, yeah, if people prefer it that way, then maybe we could adopt this as a as a way of doing the show from here on out. Uh, so Xbox Game Pass subscribers leap by fifty percent in five months, and uh, you know I will take some of the credit for this. I'm not going to lie, um, and I'm sure that this is only going to increase. Considering the the news with the purchase of Bethesda and whatnot, but uh, yeah, Xbox Game Pass now has 15 million subscribers, up from 10 million uh, that Microsoft announced in April. So that's a 50% increase in five months. Obviously, this year has been an attractive one for sitting at home and burying yourself in a library of games. Lord knows I've been one of the people doing that. But they, Microsoft, um, they mention you in the article, Mark, as having an influence on this, or like if they, they attributed they didn't, a percentage. They didn't. Unfortunately, Eurogamer did not uh, come to me for comment or, or uh, you know, put me in there at all. Which you mean, you it's mean, fine. It's it's easily done. You but, mean um, Eva Lockhart is not listening to this, <laughs> taking fucking notes and going that I Robinson guy. I don't. I don't think she is. But uh, yeah, so in fairness, like Microsoft have uh, greatly improved the Game Pass catalog and marketed as a core part of the Xbox console offering. Over the past couple of months, the service has gained heavy hitters such as Red Dead Redemption, Resident Evil 7, and Destiny 2. Uh, And streaming option xCloud has also been wrapped into the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. This month, in the lead-up to the launch of the Series S and X, Microsoft dropped the news that EA Play, formerly EA Access, would also become part of its subscription. So, you know, you've not only got everything with Bethesda, but you've got everything with EA Play. Um, So there's a ton of content that is on Game Pass and more that will be on Game Pass that means that... Um, you know, when the Series X launches, uh, you can just go straight into Game Pass. And, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting that this is the generation where like the launch titles i think is one of the is not the most important thing because obviously when you buy a console you want to have a couple of games to play on day one and obviously the launch titles are still an important part of that but with that game pass feature uh and you know with the with PlayStation and all of the PS4 games they're adding to their feature like the amount of stuff that's going to be available on day one um, I'd have to say this is like the the most amount of content that's ever been available for a, a console on day one of its launch, uh, and I think that is you know, obviously that that's great for for players because you know, um, 
regardless of what they want to play on day one, they're going to have a ton of content to work with. So do you I, think I it think benefits, really cool. uh, Mark, as well? And I, I was thinking about this the other day, uh, and I was trying to think of a form to kind of put these thoughts in, whether it would be like a long-form discussion on here, but say like GTA Five, right, is still selling X number of copies all the time. Do we think we're at a point with, with game development where games just don't age as much now? So when you offer somebody immediate access to a load of games that have been made, say, even in the last decade, they're all of a, of a quality where you're just like, right, well, these games are all amazing. And it doesn't matter if I'm playing a game from five minutes ago or five years ago. Like, it will look it will look awesome. It will probably feel good to play. And, and I love it. Like, if you think about the, the Sonic jump from, say, like, 1990 to 2000 in terms of, like, game fidelity and graphics, and then again from 2000 to 2010, like, in the last 10 years it would have jumped quite a lot, but it's kind of at the point where it's like TV fidelity now where, you know, you can get 4K, but you keep, you can't ratchet it too much beyond that before human beings' eyes just have no ability to pick out the differentiation in it. And so I think I, I'm games glad looks... you said, I'm glad you said within the last 10 years, because I've got some hot takes about that Galaxy camera. Oh, I know. I mean, this was like. kind of a, this is kind of a, um, a preface to what you're going to talk about later. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, uh, I, does that make sense as a point? This, yeah, uh, no, it, I, I totally get it. I totally it was half-formed because yeah. I'd, I'd kind of written it down as something I wanted to talk about at some point. But yeah, you just brought it out of my brain. Yeah, but no, it's 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 completely a valid point. And yeah, I mean, like, sure, there there probably are a few games here and there that look a little bit rough around the edges from the, the PS3, Xbox 360 era. But I mean, you know, we're in the day and age where a lot of that stuff gets up-resed or touched up anyway by the time it reaches this generation or the, or the next generation. So, uh, yeah, I, we're at a point now where you, you're right. Like, a lot of games are ageless in that degree, and I think what then ages them is, like, the kind of mechanics and the things within that. And yeah. or, the, or, or the sort of games as a, as a live service model, right? So, you know, I could go back and a fan of Far Cry and play Far Cry 3 and, and love it, and you know it's been it's been up res for this generation no doubt they will re-release far cry uh, far cry 3 again for ps5 right i would be very surprised if they didn't have like uh, an up res far cry 3 4 and like was it primal i think was yeah. the like they'll probably do a bundle five, like that at some point and they did yeah and then they did 5 and they did that weird version of 5 where everything was like like day glow um but yeah so they're still really good games. But I guess if it's a game where you're offering constant services, like it's something that you want people to keep logging into, like a like a Fortnite or something, but like or like an old version of Call of Duty, then you're not really seeing the server support anymore. And that, to me, that's the only way games age now, is if it's not a sort of a decent critical path that you can enjoy. But we're at a point where if, if it's like a... We, I've said it earlier, but I'll say it again. If it's a Netflix for games type scenario, it doesn't... If you're a 10-year-old that's never played... Well, not that I recommend a 10-year-old play Far Cry 3, but if you're a 10-year-old that's never played uh, a Far Cry game and you can go and play Far Cry 3 and you're like, hey, this game fucking rules. Well, who's this actor? Michael Mando. Oh, he's in the show. What show is it? Oh, Better Call Saul. Oh, that's on Netflix. I can watch it on Netflix. Like, you know, let's say let's age that guy up to 18. But, like, you've got no... It's an easy way to discover interesting stories and stuff like that. And, you know, they might not want to go back and play Galaxy because they might find the, con the fucking camera controls hideous. But uh, feeling to go back and play something like that, it's still a legit thing to play even in 2020 and beyond. 
So speaking of um, upgrading and upresing and all that good jazz, the the last bit of news that we've got, uh, Sony. Uh, <laughs> right, so yeah, there is no upgrade path to get the graphically upgraded Spider-Man remastered on PlayStation 5 for players who already own the original Spider-Man on PlayStation 4. According to a statement provided by, to Kotaku by Sony, here's the statement in full. Jack, are you ready for this? I read this earlier and I'm still uh, not sure I understand it. But okay, go here we go, here we go. Marvel Spider-Man Remastered is an enhanced version of Marvel Spider-Man and is included as part of Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales Ultimate Edition for the PlayStation 5. In addition, players who purchase Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales on PlayStation 4 can upgrade at no additional cost to the PlayStation 5 version of Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales and can take advantage of a paid upgrade to download Marvel Spider-Man Remastered. There are no plans currently to offer Marvel Spider-Man Remastered as a standalone. Players with a copy of Marvel Spider-Man for PS4 can purchase Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales Ultimate Edition to experience Marvel Spider-Man Remastered on PS5. Marvel Spider-Man for PS4 also will be backwards compatible on PS5. <laughs> I mean, how many times do you say Marvels and Spider-Man in there? Quite uh, a lot. So basically... More... This is a sort of a confusing way of announced this so they didn't get the heat that the control guys got, right? Uh, yeah, but I mean, well, <laughs> that fucking control. <laughs> <laughs> I I like to think that like legitimately, um, you know, people that have the original Spider-Man like don't have a way to get the upgraded version. Um Maybe there probably should be a way, but I, I, I like to believe that legitimately there isn't a way, um, which sucks for those that people that have uh, an original copy and want to play either the remastered version or like the full package with the Miles Morales game. Um, but hey, fucking suck it up because that's just the way it is when it comes to it, video games. I, I mean, here's my take on it here, right? Like, if you buy a PS5 and you played Marvel Spider Man there's a good chance that you're going to buy the new game, you know. They're not calling it a sequel, you know. It's like the, you know, it might as well be like Spider-Man Vice City, right? It's it's a new game, but it it's kind of not a proper sequel. But you would still purchase that, seeing as it's a day one game as well, that you're probably likely to buy that. So if you buy a PS5, you're probably going to buy the PS... And, and you want to play it. You're probably going to buy the PS5 version of Miles Morales because it's a sequel to a game you might have known and loved. And I guess that's what they're kind of counting on. And then as a bonus for you being a person that bought Miles Morales, you get this game on the side for free. It's a bit like... I mean, was it Activision the first ones to do something like this a few years ago? They bought out a new Call of Duty and they were like, if you pre-order this version, you get Call of Duty 4 remastered, which is probably the the pinnacle standout of the the call of duty series definitely looking backwards anyway so i can i can kind of see the logic of it from that point of view but then if you buy a ps5 and you just like well i quite like to upgrade that um I'd, i want to know they didn't mention how much the fee was did they to upgrade not it? that i'm aware of i mean just to, to clarify here because i'm not 100 for myself the the ps5 marvel spider-man miles morales comes with like OG Spider-Man game and Miles Morales, right? Yeah, yeah. But is that so, the, is that the ultimate edition though, or is that just the day one edition of of the game? I have no fucking clue because there's probably ten different versions of this game because that's just how things are. I would imagine they're probably 
maybe there's like the ultimate edition that has both versions maybe there's like a ps5 version of og spider-man and like a separate version of miles morales because i know there's like a separate version of the ps4 miles morales game because you know like players can because i'm probably gonna like just play the, the ps4 version of that so i know that there's a standalone version of that at least so does that mean there's like three different versions of the spider-man game coming to ps5 uh <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> because but... if that's the case, then surely it should be possible that, you know, if you have OG Spider-Man, you could just pay a, p- a fee to have, like, the upgraded version. Uh... Well, it says here, in addition, players who purchase Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales and PS4 can upgrade at no additional cost to the PS5 version of Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. So you can do that. Yeah, that's an option. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, that at least makes sense because, you know, the game was developed with both consoles in mind, where the original Spider-Man wasn't. Yeah. (sighs) But if you buy it on PS4, uh, you can't upgrade. Um, So, yeah. Uh, I guess either buy it on PS4 uh, and be happy that you're not going to get a PS5 for a while, so you're not that fussed if you can upgrade it or not. Or if you want a PS5, I guess just buy the new... Uh, buy the new game and then you get the the old game for for free like an updated version of it which is i suppose is cool um one thing i'd like though mark is if they did that is you could sort of somehow take your ps4 save and convert it so all of the progress and stuff that you'd unlocked in the original one could carry over i I don't know if they would do that though i sincerely doubt that will be uh oh I don't know, I know there have been times with games where, like, it will register things that you've done in the previous game, but, I mean, that's just, like, recognising... I think that was just based on, like, trophies that you'd unlocked, maybe. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, Or, like, FIFA for years had, like, the FIFA level, didn't it? Your club level. Yes, yes. So, I'm not 100%. It would be nice, but I I would imagine it would have that. But Like, I don't know if I could be asked to play it again. (laughs) No, no, I have no desire to fucking do, like... 90% 90% of all of the side quests in that game again because uh, I got to a point I think I was chasing pigeons at one point and I was like what the fuck am I doing here? I like that pigeon chasing mission I found that quite fun <laughs> you are the one I, I quite liked it you were flying around trying to catch a pigeon I felt like fucking dick dastardly but successful Right. I, I, I want to tell you right now that, I mean, it's already well known that Spider-Man was not my game of the year when we chose that as our game of the year and chasing pigeons was quite a part large part of the reason why among other things with those side quests so after the catch the pigeon do you feel like if there was like a wacky races side quest you it would have been your game of the year if there was a wacky races game that would have been my game of the year yeah because i mean i would immediately choose the arkansas chugger bug because it's quite <laughs> clearly the no, i want to i want to say there's there's definitely been a wacky races game at some point yeah I mean, if you're unfamiliar with the Arkansas Chocobuck, you just go ahead and Google that son bitch right now. Well, first of all, I'm just going to Google, because I've got to say, there, there must have been a Wacky Races game at some point. That just seems like it was made to to exist. You, you think so, yeah. Uh, but I mean... Uh, it... da, 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 da. Yeah, Wacky Races, Mad Motors for PlayStation 2. Yeah? Yeah. The and big... I'm going to guess... That was probably like a like a two D or a, a cell shaded game because like cell shaded was all the rage like at that time. 
Yeah, you know how there's, um, because of BuzzFeed, there's a list article for literally everything, or listicle, if you prefer the portmanteau version. Somebody has ranked uh, the 11 cars in Wacky Races. Uh, well, of which, course. Yeah. I forgot that there were brothers called the Slag Brothers. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. Because they're in a rock car. Uh, did they re- They must have renamed that in this country. Oh, fucking hell, the Slag Brothers. Lazy Luke and Blubber Bear, I'm sorry, but four in the Arkansas Chuggabug, it's a redneck and a bear. Like, that is the greatest car of them all. It's it's either that, right, or the um, the the anthill mob. You know, they're in that, like, Bonnie and Clyde car, and they've all got Tommy guns and stuff, and there's, like, seven of them. I, oh, jeez, I do remember that, yes. Yeah. Wow, I'm I'm reaching some parts of my brain uh, for, for some of these memories, but yes, I do remember that. And obviously you've got like Penelope Pitstop. Uh I mean she's probably I would say the most famous one, but you've got the the gruesome twosome as well. Sergeant Blast and Private Meekly in the the Army Surplus car, which I always quite like. These liked. all just sound like AWA characters from like the late eighties as they're on the decline. <laughs> Sergeant <laughs> It's it's better than fucking slapjack though, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, anyway, this has been a fantastic tangent. Uh, it's not often I get to share my love of the Arkansas Chuggabug, but I mean, a bear and a redneck with a fucking. A, a, with a, a legitimate racing vehicle, which is built off of like an old sort of propane tank and a rickety sort of go kart type thing is just amazing to me. I mean, I have the title for this week's episode, so, you know, th- this all. this whole bit here was for no- wasn't for nothing. I see. It better be called Arkansas Chuggabug. It's absolutely going to be called that. Uh, Jack, what have you been watching this week? <laughs> Nothing but wacky races. Uh, no. So, I haven't watched too much in the way of serious stuff this week. You know, just kind of been watching, um, you know, latest episodes and series of, of stuff like that. Uh, I finished the Amazon Prime Spurs documentary, a.k.a. the Jose Mourinho documentary. Uh, was, uh, yeah, was was quite decent and... I thought maybe, you know, I'd love to see a proper sort of warts and all version of it. Um, and I doubt we're ever going to get that. Apart from maybe Danny Rose's freak out at Jose Mourinho for how he wasn't playing a lot. And how he wanted to sign to Milan. And then Daniel Levy was like, no, uh, you won't be playing with Zlatan. But you will be playing with Joelinton at Newcastle as Steve Bruce kind of moves in uh, for the kill on that one. Um the David Arquette documentary, Mark, is what I watched. <laughs> uh, uh, another big thing. Have you heard much about this? Do you know much about this? I've heard. I know it exists. I saw the trailer. I've not got around to watching it yet. It is superb. So David Arquette, obviously, super famous actor um, in the early 2000s. But then career kind of didn't really take off all that much. Uh, like they showed a cover of uh, one of the big Hollywood magazines and he's on there with like Brad Pitt and stuff and it's like you know this is the sort of Hollywood young elite you know of of all these actors who are going to be big for the next decade and pretty much all of them were except David Arquette who I mean just really didn't happen for him and I think he mentions a lot like in the documentary that people didn't really take him too seriously because like he was in Scream and stuff 
And it is a lot of it because he was getting involved with wrestling because he's a massive wrestling fan. But then people in the world of wrestling didn't take him seriously because he got given the world heavyweight title in WCW without actually being a wrestler or earning it or winning it properly in, in any kind of way. Are you telling me that Ready to Rumble was not taken seriously by either film critics or wrestling fans? Mark, I've got some some bad news for you, my friend. Uh, it was not. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've really missed Wade Barrett. Anyway, so this is the story of... I almost would want to compare it to like a real-life version of The Wrestler. So kind of less dramatic and, you know, less sort of... Uh, sad i would say but it's a guy who like clearly like things aren't working out for him in his acting career and he's still a big wrestling guy and he just wants to be taken seriously and i think a lot of people had absolutely no respect or love for him any wrestling fans and so what he decides to do is get super in shape and then just start from the bottom essentially as if he was like an indie wrestler and then just starts working on on different shows uh, which is it's just really really cool. Like you think he could probably go in immediately and just be booked wherever. And obviously people are still going to book him and stuff because he's David Arquette. But like he's legitimately training. Like he gets in shape, and you see him at the start of the movie. And I want to say like he's like overweight, but he has kind of the dad bod thing where he's like a little soft. Like I saw way more naked David Arquette in this than I think anyone going into it would even be prepared for it's just very warts and all like he discusses his mental health uh he discusses his alcoholism that, that took over at points and and uh, you know he has courtney cox is in it his current wife is in it all of his kids like the first time i saw courtney cox show up i was like wow like they really have got pretty much everyone surrounding his life and it's a cool story and like that that whole sort of sums up his life in the first half of it. and the second half of it is like him going to mexico to train with luchadors uh, him, you know, like going on like a backyard show and getting hit the fuck with light tubes. At one point, he gets stabbed in the neck, Mark, so bad with light tubes that he has to like immediately go to hospital and he could have died. Was that the Nick Gage match by any chance? Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, and they have a little clip of uh, of Jim Cornette burying in burying him for it, which I was like, mm, I wish they hadn't put that in there. There's also a little clip of another guy who used to wrestle famously who had a hairy chest and a moustache whose name I don't even want to mention uh, which was also unfortunate in the documentary but those two slight appearances aside this is just a story of a very earnest human being who's had his ups and downs in life just trying to achieve sort of for his own satisfaction a level of a dream and I think when you compare it to say like the you know we had the Undertaker documentary earlier this year where he's like questing after this one last great match and it's just so sad because you just can't do it anymore. This is kind of the flip side of it where it's kind of sad at the start and then towards the end it's like he starts having like legitimately passable matches and he is just getting better and better. And he was in the PWI 500 mark for 2019, which I think is really cool. They didn't mention his rank, which I assume just means he's somewhere like in the 400s or whatever. But yeah. It was it was a great documentary and it's a sort of, of inspirational story. Uh, and David Arquette is just he remains one of the most fascinating enigma of a human being that that I've seen kind of in this sort of weird world of celebrity. Yeah, so I'd recommend it even if you're not a big wrestling fan. It, it it's a lot of fun. Where is uh, where is it available? 
the internet. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> right, okay. I, I completely <laughs> legally watched it, and I don't suggest that anybody would think that I would do anything other than that. But yeah, just have a Google. I'm sure it's available on a streaming service somewhere. And if it isn't, I think there are other ways you can watch it, but I don't want to specifically advertise them. Uh, oh, yeah, one last thing I wanted to mention. Uh, this week I've been watching, because I'm being very on brand, there's a guy called Big Mooney on YouTube, uh, and his whole thing is that he is a angry Scottish guy who kills every single person, uh, NPC, target, and all of the sort of enforcers on every Hitman map, and it is hilarious. Uh, it's just just like an hour of this guy just going crazy and he has like a one-liner every 30 seconds that will floor you and anybody that likes the hitman games like i'm quite late to this he's been doing this for three or four years now uh, i've only just discovered him randomly this week when i was browsing through uh, high recommend for that especially if you if you're a fan of the uh, scottish accent which i i know a lot of us are all right i'll add it to the list i uh on a slightly different note uh, watched the recently released The Devil All the Time, which is a, an American psychological thriller uh, that is based on a novel of the same name by Donald Ray Pollock. And it's it's based in kind of mid-America, uh, like small-town America between, I want to say it was Ohio and I think it was like West Virginia. And it's a story that... It, it weaves between um, a number of characters and their stories, and it doesn't go from, like, point A to point B to point C. It, it kind of mixes up the timeline a little bit. It's not, you know, it's not memento or anything, but it's definitely not, like, a, a linear path in the way that its story is presented. Um, and, you know, it explores, uh, like, religion and um, just the, the kind of sense of evil that people can how evil people can be, I guess, uh, and um, people in power and, and abusing that power and, uh, like, sexual assault. And it's it's a very heavy film, shall we say. And uh, it has an all-star cast. It has uh, the likes of Tom Holland, Bill Skarsgård, uh, Jason Clark, Sebastian Stan, who was kind of not recognisable from what most people know him as, as uh, the Winter Soldier. I mean, I don't um, even recognize him as sebastian stan now when i see him i'm like oh it's the winter soldier yeah um uh, robert patterson was in this as well and the one that i only clocked on today was harry melling who was uh dudley in the harry potter films and he is completely unrecognizable because you know he lost like six or seven stone um and you know across the board the the performances are incredible in getting you like just sucked into like small town america uh like the accents are very on point um i mean at this point we know tom holland who is english can do a very good american accent like a queen's accent but he you know pulls off that slightly redneck hick type accent uh robert patterson's accent is is so like it's menacing, but in a very understated way. Um, and his character, he he really pulls off a, a very, very strong performance. Uh, Bill Skarsgård is very good as well, just across the board. Like, all the performances are really, really good. But unfortunately, like, as a film to watch now, you know, films like this are, are difficult to get right because, you know, when I go in to watch a film, I... 
and everyone's different, but for me, you know, I want to come away from having at least enjoyed the film. And because of how heavy it is, it really it bogs itself down in just the sheer like just despair and nihilism of 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 I guess um, you know small town rural America and and just how evil these people are or a number of these people are and the story never because of like the way it, it shifts between characters and timelines it doesn't really have a, a sense of flow or a sense of like an actual kind of cohesive story or where it's trying to go like by the time it gets to the end you, you can't you don't really realize like okay how the hell did we get to this point and like what was the purpose of five or six cutscenes beforehand like why did we get to this point here you know there's a couple of characters that their relevance to like the end point of the film you didn't need to have their stories here like I, I imagine they're in the novel obviously but their inclusion doesn't really add anything to the weight of what goes on by the time you get to the end of the film and so like by the time and it's, it's a pretty long film it's like two minutes 20 uh and it feels like all two minutes sorry two hours 20 minutes uh of running time and so i just i came away from the end of it just feeling just very low and like unsatisfied and maybe that is like the the end goal of the film you know i, I can't speak for the the directors this is directed by antonio campos yeah but i i don't know like you'd, i mean good art should move you right emotionally but it, yeah, it, dep yeah. it depends how that feeling like you know say so like in wrestling you've got you know heat and turn the channel heat do you feel like it was kind of bad and unsatisfying in the way it was executed or uh bad and unsatisfying that that is the you know the way the conclusion of the movie was drawn and 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 how the art movies feel or is it like a combo of both i mean like there is a some semblance of the the story does kind of come around in a full circle like it does have that to some degree um but it's so like some of the violence and i mean you know anyone that knows me knows that um like darker films more gratuitous films horror films uh, this isn't like an out and out right horror film but it's definitely a very dark like thriller i guess they're not my go-to type of films um to so maybe like part of it is just for me and my um my sensibilities i guess means that maybe like what i come away with this film might be different to someone else who is able to kind of like stomach those types of films um you know maybe that plays a part into it yeah. i don't know you've never been a big horror guy right no no absolutely not at all uh and you know i will give it this like the film definitely leaves you feeling un at like very uneasy um and and again a lot of that comes through with a lot of the performances again like robert patterson i think he he plays um like a a, a, a priest not a priest but um God, what do they call them? Like people preacher? that they preacher. Absolutely, that was the one I was looking for. He's um, he, uh, by the way, his career has just sort of come around full circle from everyone laughing at the silly vampire boy to being a pretty damn good actor. I don't know if you've noticed. His story arc reminds me a lot of Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I th I don't know. I don't think DiCaprio ever had that much. Uh, scorn, but like if you look at, um, I mean, he did from me because he made he was in Titanic, and I fucking hate Titanic. So, <laughs> look, a lot of people like that movie. I mean, ah, fuck those people. I fucking hate Titanic, dude. It's like the third highest grossing movie of I all time. 
don't care. Uh, that, that's just me pointing it out. Um, that that was not a popular opinion. That was the, the like Avatar is how it made however many millions and is a terrible film. Yes, but people. <laughs> also, Spice World made a load of money and is a terrible film. I don't think. <laughs> That's definitely not fourth on the all-time list, though. No, no, it's uh, not. And that was there. Maybe for nineteen ninety-six or whenever the fuck that film. Are came you out. saying that James Cameron uh, isn't your favourite director? I, I feel like that's <sighs> what I'm picking up. <laughs> I have certain thoughts about James Cameron um, that I guess I would put in line with, say, a Peter Jackson. But that is for another day. Oh, Peter! I mean, the, the... no, no, fuck Lord of the Rings, fuck King Kong. Oh I my! Can't stand... no. Fuck Lord of the. What? Look, I, I can't. I, you, I, we've had this discussion many times on this show, mainly to, to do with like the Lord of the Rings games. Middle Earth fantasy does nothing for me. I have no time for it, and I have no time for films that are three hours long. Oh. I, just, I just, unless Endgame you know, was like three hours long. Yeah, Endgame is the, and it was the one I was thinking of. Is my my exception I can think of. Fuck Interstellar. Fuck Lord of the Rings. There you go. There's my promo. <laughs> I mean, this is you are going full full in on this. I mean, there's no coming hey. back here. Hey, I'm um, I'm here. I'm here for the wrath of anyone that wants to tell me otherwise. But you uh, um, you seem to hate that more than Dave thinks I hate Tetris. <laughs> Which does that mean you secretly love Lord of the Rings? I don't know. No, no, I really have no time but, for Lord of the Rings. But yeah, Pattinson and, and I, Stuart. Sorry, I was just going to yeah, drop yeah. in. Yeah, they've both yeah. had really good career paths after Twilight. Like it's weird. You you have these big like franchises, these like massive like things, and you know the lead actors uh, are often afterwards kind of always tarred with the brush of that. But but Kristen Stewart is fucking great, and Robert Pattinson is great, and they've both made really interesting acting choices, and I think it's cool that they've been able to throw like a little bit of the Twilight stink off. I'm not saying that they're necessarily bad movies, but they are but bad I movies. Think, I, th- I think a lot of actors and actresses... I mean, you, you think about Harry Potter, uh, and you think about some of the films that Daniel Radcliffe has made. You know, I, I think this is just a conscious decision that people that have that sort of film when they're younger uh and i guess macaulay culkin may be the exception there where he didn't decide to do that and decided just to smoke a lot of weed instead but you know radcliffe made a i really feel like a conscious choice to make films that weren't just within the you know the realm of or or the the ethos of like a harry potter type of film or or kid-friendly films or whatever you know he went in a 180 direction, shall we say, to, you know, bring this show full round, full circle to some degree. Uh, and I guess, you know, Stuart and Patterson made similar choices. And again, you know, talking about what we said there about Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't, I don't see a fucking made. Rupert Grint doing anything, though. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, I've seen him hanging around Hertfordshire, watching his sister play some very terrible songs on keyboard. Um, he saw our that's... band once. Did he? Yeah, we 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 played with Plastic Passion at the Hartford Marquee, and he was there. That was, was when Lemmy went up to him that. and said, "Harry bleeding Potter," and he ran <laughs> oh, away. Okay. All right, all right, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of the yeah, funniest, okay. most awkward things because, like, Rupert Grint, he seems like first of all, he seems like a nice dude, right? And he's he's from local to to where Mark used to live, and I still sort of currently am based roughly, and he came there because he quite liked plastic passion uh who were a, a band formerly of this area who, whose album got weirdly released in japan but not anywhere else uh, which is a shame because they were they were talented guys 
And uh, can I just say, by the way, of, this is like an all-time tangent, right? Going from the devil all the time to Plastic Passion. <laughs> it really right? is, yeah. Uh, anyway, he liked the band, so he came to see them. We happened to be supporting that day, which is like you know Ron Weasley's scene, whatever our old band was, which is pretty cool. Uh, and <laughs> Lemmy, someone told Lemmy like, oh, you know, you should go talk to him because he's a nice guy and he likes your band. And, I don't know why, but he just shouted Harry Bleeding Potter at him, and, and Rupert Grint did not look amused by this, even in the slightest. And he probably, like, first of all, like, first of all, I was Ron Weasley, so, you know, you can't be shouting, like, Hagrid, Robbie Coltrane-style Harry Bleeding Potter at me. Uh, number two, you're just like everyone else who <laughs> just refuses to talk to me about anything else. Uh, yeah, and it was awkward, but it was pretty funny. But yeah, anyway, Devil of Time, yes. harrowing watch. Um, <laughs> okay. I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. It, it definitely left the lasting impression. Um, so, you know, make of that what you will. I, I think I gave it like two and three quarters, I think, on, on Letterboxd, I want to say. Go follow me on Letterboxd, you know, if you want your hot takes on there from me. What for is your Letterboxd account? Uh, I think it's just Mark Robinson. Oh, I'd right. have to go and check. I mean that should be easy to find. That's that's should be. Yeah. If it's not, it's probably Living Project. It's one of the two. Okay. But yeah, that that is it, and I that is an all-time legendary tangent there. Um, let's move on to. <laughs> I our bet final you thought segment. Dave was the only one necessary for tangents, <laughs> but you were wrong. <laughs> no, no, Jack. I'm more than aware of your capabilities. I've known you for a while now. Um, yeah, so let's move on to what we've been playing, and we got a few things. Uh, I, you know what I want to do, Jack? I want to mix it up. I'm going to go one game, then you go the game, then I'll go the game, and we'll do it that way, because, um, there's, there's a few things here I need to, like, tidy up with, at least. Yeah, but, I mean, I've... the main game that I've been playing, you've been playing as well, and I talked That's about a point. quite a little bit last week, so... And I don't really, yeah, I don't have too much in the way of new stuff. So let's have a discussion about the Mario All-Stars collection. All right. Okay, let's do that. Let's do this. Uh, so I'm, I've only been playing Galaxy. Uh, I'm about 55 stars deep into that game now. Um, so, and honestly, my brain cannot pull any memories about if I actually ever completed that game originally on the Wii. Because uh, I feel like I'm seeing some levels that I just don't remember at all. So I I don't think I actually ever finished Galaxy at this point. Um, how far are you on 64? Have you touched Sunshine or Galaxy at all? Uh, no, I haven't. I've just been playing 64 and it's just given me a warm glow in my soul. Um, so yeah, I, I'm 25, 30 stars into it maybe. Uh, and it's still a great game. And yeah, I don't... I cut it used to the camera now. Um, it was a bit jarring last week, you know, having to change it with the the right stick and stuff. But I just kind of got used to it, and uh, yeah, that, that, there's not a whole lot to to really add. Um, so I'm mostly looking forward to playing. I want to get into Sunshine. I think I try and finish 64 um, by the weekend and and get into some Sunshine because. I am very curious to see how that game has held up over the years. And it's very interesting that you went into Galaxy and I went to 64 and neither one of us touched Sunshine. Maybe there's that's a bit of an indictment on, on what Sunshine right. is. Right, no, 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 no. Because my reasons are justifiable because I've played 64 about a thousand times and because I knew this was just basically uh, an emulation of like one of the original versions of the game, 
I didn't really feel there was anything more in like this version that I wouldn't have played in any other version of 64 I've ever played. And it wasn't in widescreen, it wasn't in, in 16 by 9 so like just there was nothing there for me that I felt that was new for that experience. Uh, Sunshine, the last time I, I played Sunshine I want to say was about 10 years ago. And it is what I'll go to next. And I am someone that does like Sunshine. I think Sunshine is a good game. I think people that say that Sunshine is a bad game are are ill-informed. I see. Is, are, they, are these the same people that like Lord of the Rings that you just yes, hate? Yes, they are absolutely the same people. <laughs> in fact, they're the same people that like Avatar, right? That's that's how much... Are you in line with, uh, with the opinions of Dan Riker in that you think that Sunshine is the best game of the Mario no, series? No, I mean, look, Dan Riker is known to hyperbole, all right? Um, strong hyperbole. No, Super Mario Sunshine is not the best game and is not the best Mario game, um, but it is a good Mario game. It's obviously just not Mario 64, and it was always going to run into that issue. I'm sure we'll get to Sunshine and our takes when we get around to playing it. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I've played about 50, 50 to 55 stars of, of Galaxy, and it's interesting that you mentioned the camera in 64, and I never had in the many, many times that I've played 64 that many issues with the camera. Um, and I don't, I really don't think like when I get around to playing it again, I'm going to have that much of an issue with it. It's come as a real surprise to me just how much the camera and certain aspects of the controls in Galaxy piss me the fuck off to no end. Wow. And I, th I think the, the main difference that will be with the two games is that... Mario 64 is a, you know, they're both 3D games, but you exist on just the one plane. You know, you just, you go forward. And, you know, if you go to the side of an edge, you fall off. That's it. Nice, clean, and simple. Galaxy does the thing where, you know, if you walk off the edge, you walk all the way, you know, till you're on the underside. Obviously, because you're in space, and it, it makes sense within the rules of the game. And it's an awesome feature, and in terms of, like, the layout of the levels and how you go from like one kind of mini planet to another and it's this it's a self-contained like environment or puzzle or whatever you know it's it basically takes all of the the platforming sections from sunshine like the isolated platforming sections and just makes a game out of it and there you know it's a really cool concept for a game but the problem is is a lot of the time when you go underneath or when you go like around a planet or just there are so many times when the camera and the controls don't line up and they can't figure out okay what actual like what is the direction mario is going right now is he going forward well now he's gone on the underside of this platform so he's actually now technically going backwards towards the camera and then there are times when the controllers just throw a fit and Mario starts going around in a circle because the game has just confused itself about what actual direction I'm trying to push Mario in. And because I can't control the camera and because they didn't decide to actually bother fucking updating this game to use dual, dual stick controls in 2020, you know, there are so many times when... I mean, you can, like, push the camera left and right as you can, as I imagine, in Mario 64, to, like, to some degree. But it's, like, locked at, like, I don't know, 30 to 40 degrees at a time. You know, you don't have, like, that free-flowing motion you would have in Mario Odyssey, for example. And so there's so many times where I'm trying to spin around to get, like, 
focused on where I want to look, but the camera's either locked because like there's some geometry in the way, or just for whatever reason it's decided, nope, you can't turn the camera this way anymore. So I, you know, I'm either like coming towards the camera and I can't see like what's coming towards me, which usually means I'll end up taking a hit, or like I'm running on a planet and I can't see what's in the background because obviously I'm on a you know a big sphere. And so I can't see when something's coming towards me because I can't move the camera like ahead of me or whatever I want to do to give myself like the vantage point to see like what might be coming like ahead of me. And there are so many times when I run into those types of issues and I've, you know, died or been hit because of not because of good level control or game design, but because of very poorly implemented cameras and controls that can't correspond to that camera. And I'm just playing it thinking, there's no way people gave this 10 out of 10 or said it was the best Mario game of all time. I don't see how it was possible. And maybe there's something that got lost in translation between the Wii Moat controls and playing it on just the, the Switch. Yeah, I think that might be it. I mean, you're actually now tempting me to go like, try out more Galaxy because I just sort of dipped a toe in it last week and didn't really go further. But yeah, it must be then. It must be maybe the... the hasn't integrated in a natural way. But then can you not use the um, Joy-Con like you would use a Wiimote? I guess you can. I mean, because, like, well, no, because I don't think there's there, there's that much there that's different. I mean, the one main thing that uh, is really that different is the fact that on uh, in Galaxy, like, you would have, like, tiny little blue stars and you could hover the Wii remote at and you would press A and you would, like, link Mario up to that star. And you would, you know, like, say Mario was, I don't know, 10 meters away, and you would tap on the star, and it would bring Mario towards it, and, like, the velocity of that would, like, send him in the other direction. You can't do that, obviously, with the Wii Remote, so the way you can do it is you can literally just tap on the screen. Um, and it's not really ideal, because you're trying to go between holding the controls to do whatever the fuck you were doing, to tapping on the screen, to then going back to holding the controls again. It's like the equivalent of trying to use the D-pad in the analog stick on the N64. It's just, no, you use one or the other. But other than that, I don't really think there's anything there that wasn't there in the original. I honestly don't think it. I think that the controls and the cameras... Are, are more or less the same uh, and I think that it's just there's some I, I think it's just a, a case of a game that is a product of its time that if it was created in 2020 would have had a radically different approach to how that camera would have worked and I never played Galaxy 2 so you know I'd always I'd be curious more curious now than ever I guess to know exactly if they made any changes based on the first one but I mean look the it's a Mario game, the the level design, the creativity, you know, all of that is there. And there are a lot of moments when just the charm of a Mario game comes through. And the soundtrack is is just, like I was saying last week, how the bits that I do remember of Mario Galaxy, you know, the, the soundtrack is, is at points genuinely moving um, in its orchestral splendor. But it's really being hampered by the, the camera and the controls. And I don't think... And I think a lot of it is just because it's a game in space and because you've got all of these, like, spheres and um, domes and, like, going on the underside of platforms, all of that is what the problem is, where because, you know, 64 and Sunshine are just, like, on one fixed plane, I don't think they'll run into those issues. I'm sure they have their own camera issues that are just a product of their time, um, but I don't think they're as bad as they are in Galaxy, and I'll, you know... 
once I finish Galaxy and I get onto Sunshine in 64, I'll see if that's the case. And I kind of think it is. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I uh, I guess I I guess I need to get involved now and just uh, have a play of it and see what I think next week when we uh, when we get together again and and see whether I mean I think we won't maybe go as in-depth uh, in terms of me and Mark's thoughts again on Mario. Uh, maybe the next time Dave's on, he can he can chip in with what his viewpoint on the game uh, will be. But yeah, I I must admit, I, I remember Galaxy. I didn't finish it, but I remember it quite fondly. So we'll, we'll see. But that, that pull of sunshine is really tempting because it's been a long-ass time since I've been anywhere near that. Uh Mark, what else have, have you been playing that, that would be of interest to us all? So I finished Paradise Killer, and uh, I don't know if you had had a chance to start it yet. Or I know Barry has purchased it. Um, I know you said you were interested. I but am, I yes. I guess you've just only been playing Galaxy still? I'm oh, sorry, 64. Yeah, moment, 64 right? and, right. A, okay. and a bit of, a bit of uh, another game. Okay, uh, so yes, yeah, so there's nothing I can say more about that in terms of like, because the game is kind of split into two parts. There's the open world and trying to figure out what the fuck happened, and then there's the actual trial section, which is, you know, the, the end game sequence. And last week I said that the game is, is similar in its pacing to Breath of the Wild in that you can actually just go and finish the game at the start if you wanted to but you obviously wouldn't have gathered any information. Um, I don't know if that is exactly how it would go, because, right, so what happens is, when you start the trial, you have all of the different uh, suspects uh, around in this, like, amphitheater. And, like, for each of the cases, because you have obviously the main case, which is that the council, the syndicate, were murdered, but there are these other cases that you find out about as you go around trying to, you know, discover the mystery. So you have to also, you know, give your um, verdicts on who is guilty for these other trials as well. So if you go there right from the start, I'm guessing you only have, like, the one trial. And I don't know if, like, the the character's called Judge, who you go to to, like, start the trial. I don't know if they would say, are you sure you have enough information? I didn't go and check. Um, I might. Shall I, shall I um, go on to Paradise Killer and just try and solve it straight away? If you could, that would be yeah, that would be interesting. It's got a because... sort of um, it's got a sort of you know turning up naked to your first day of work feeling. About <laughs> <Kind> it. <of. laughs> uh, but the way it lays it out, right? So it will start with the first case, and it will give you um, like the case and what you know what the the details of the, the the mystery is, and then it will let you go through each of the the characters or each of the suspects, and it will give you all of the information that you've collected about that suspect that is relevant to this particular case. So as you go through each of the mist, uh, the, the investigations, um, you know, you'll have some characters that may have like six or seven bits of information to one case, but might only have like one piece of information relevant to another case. So, you know, when you start the game, you think to yourself that, okay, only one person is, is going to be like guilty for all of this, but you kind of realize that, okay, that's not actually the case as you start going through the, the trial. And, you know, as you are collecting information throughout the game. Yeah, last week you made it kind of sound a bit like Law and Order, but with demons. It, it very much is still like that, yeah. Uh, that is, <laughs> if you wanted to give, like, a subtitle, then, hey, if you want to slap that on the box, Law and Order with demons. Yeah. It's, it's still got all of that, but it's definitely not just, like, just one person is the person you're looking for. And I don't want to say too much more on that because I don't want to give, you know, too many more spoilers away. 
but yeah so you go through and you like you pick the person and then judge will say okay you've picked this person now like make your case and all of the information that you had like about that suspect you will then go through and you'll pick like each um uh, piece of information and you'll like present your case and you know the person that you are um uh, pointing the finger at and saying they're guilty obviously they'll make their case and say why they're not and you know you go back and forth like through all your different points and obviously the more um, information you have or more evidence you have obviously the easier it is to point the finger at someone and say they're guilty and at the end of it judge will decide and then say um, if they think they're guilty or not and most of the time they were like my answer was or the the person i chose like judge was like yep okay they're guilty but oh, there was Mark, one time uh, maybe you've got a career budding career in law that you didn't actually know you were particularly good at well you say that but there was one or two times when i picked someone because there were a few um because i i didn't finish the game or i didn't come to the bit with the trial with like every bit of information on the island like i i don't know how much stuff i left behind but I think, I feel like there was maybe like one or two characters that I never discovered. And I feel like there was one or two mysteries I didn't discover. Then there was definitely some evidence to the cases that I did have that I never discovered. Like I definitely feel that was the case. Hmm. Because there were on a couple of the cases I had like um, three bits of evidence on one person. Three bits of evidence on another person. And that was it. So at that point I had to make like a judgment call. And... It allows you to like save the game between each case so there was one occasion where i picked one person and the way that they responded really did make me think that oh i actually picked the wrong person so i just i killed the game went back in and then picked the other person and the way that it presented itself definitely made you made me realize that okay that was actually the person but because i guess i went in without enough evidence i just had to make a judgment call but there was one time I picked one person, and I actually did it by mistake. By the way, I, does, I it, just... does it expose some of your prejudices where you're like, oh, I picked this person, and it was wrong, and I'm like, oh, why did I pick that person? No, 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 I don't think so. Because, like, that that one particular case, I don't think... There wasn't really anything there that could make you decide which was the right or the wrong person. Um I didn't spend too much time kind of thinking about it or thinking about my own moral compass, I guess. To, to, <laughs> See, like, this is where you're doing discern. it wrong. Uh, maybe, maybe. I'd be like setting the switch down very pensively and thinking for 10 <laughs> minutes about why I've chosen this person. Maybe that's why I shouldn't play it. Yeah, um, but there was... I, I accidentally picked on one of the cases, I picked one person by mistake who I had no evidence on. And Judge just went, well, you've got no evidence, so if, I'm not going to fucking call this person guilty. Um, so... That kind of makes me think that if you do go to the trial at the start of the game without any evidence on anyone, that makes me think that, like, when you go to, like, say this suspect is guilty without any evidence, the judge will just say no because you don't have anything. So I'm I'm not 100% on that. I don't know if it means that it does follow the Breath of the Wild, like, mechanic. Um, but, yeah, I'm not 100%. But, you know, with the information I did have, the evidence that I did, I did have uh, on about... I want to say 10 hours of gameplay, maybe a little bit more. Uh, I had enough evidence that I could, I feel like I accurately like sentenced everyone that was was uh, actually guilty. 
and the the kind of sequences that play afterwards and what happens when you've kind of determined they're guilty are very cool very very stylish do they send them to like death or i'm i am not saying anything more you will have to go and find out for yourself but yeah uh, paradise killer is a very cool game Uh, i'm very glad that i have played through it and uh I hope I hope that you guys get to play it and finish it before we get to game of the year because I'd be really curious for for people's takes on that. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's not a there's not too many things in contention for best story that I've played yet. I do need to play the new Don't Nod game, uh, obviously, but uh, yeah, so that might be somewhere where that might potentially crop up. Mm. Uh, the other thing that I've been playing uh, is I've been playing Hades which is the new super giant game and it is a roguelike um, very much in the, the manner of like a Dead Cells oh, okay. and I unfortunately only got to Dead Cells this year uh, and it's a shame because if I had gotten to Dead Cells in the year that it came out I would have probably been banging for that game to be at least like my second game of the year because i think that came out in 2017 so i'm probably sure i'd have still been saying cophead but i'm you know I, how good was 2017 by the way huh how good was 2017 by the way i i fucking ridiculous just ridiculous year. considering how bad so, last year was by the way yeah i know i know um so yeah so there are two types of roguelikes mark brown has a really good video out that he did not too long ago about the two types of roguelikes and how you have one where you know you the game your the succession of your progression uh is based on like you actually just getting better at the game and then there's the roguelikes that you get better because you get more items that make the game easier <clears throat> and Hades falls into the second category very much like how Dead Cells does as well and that you do realize that you're you know you're getting better because you have like uh, stronger weapons at the start of the game at the start of a round um you have like just access to different bits and pieces and just you know they help with the progression where you know on the first couple of runs you're only expected to get to a certain point but after about 10 runs you're stocked up enough that you can easily get past like the first boss with with very little trouble where the first couple of goes you're just going to get absolutely slaughtered and because it's called hades as you'd expect it very much has that uh, Greek mythology to it you know you have um, so it it's about like the story and there actually is more of a story than I realized because I was because it's a roguelike I don't really go into these types of games like for story because a lot of the time they don't really have them so I was hammering through a whole bunch of the text boxes because I just wanted to get to the actual gameplay bit but I've been slowing down a bit to actually kind of see what these characters are talking about and you know you've got Zeus and Hades and uh, uh, Ares and you know all these characters within all these gods and characters of, of, of Greek mythology and but they're all talking in a way that is a lot more kind of casual than you'd expect and it actually makes for um, some enjoyable yo what uh, up Zeus <laughs> not quite like that it's not quite like we're in the Bronx but it's it's pretty chill um, and it's yeah it, it's actually it's it's been an enjoyable read but I've not been paying too much attention to it. But there's been a couple of um, thread beats in the story that I got on like the last play playthrough um, that have you know added a couple of like uh, twists to, to the story. So that's pretty cool. But in terms of the actual gameplay, again, it's very much within the the, the frame of Dead Cells, where you know you'll go through a run, uh, 
um, you have um, like within, if you think of them as like biodomes, so you've got like one area that's like a grass area, one area that's a lava area, one area is this. It, it does a kind of similar thing, but again, it's within Greek mythology. But within that that biodome, the the levels are uh, generated randomly, so um, you know no two playthroughs are exactly the same. But the kind of core critical path you take is is the same. So you'll always have like the same first boss, the second boss, and the third boss. That's how it's been so far. I've done about eight or nine runs. I want to say. And I've had oh. the same bosses in succession, but the actual the levels that lead up to it change. And you know when you clear out an area, so you, you have one area, you clear it out, and then you'll get a reward. And then you can pick between. Maybe there's only like one path you can take, or there might be two paths you can take. Um, and depending on which path you can take, you can see like the the type of pickup that you're going to get in the next area. So if you're trying to do a more like an offensive run, you want to go for the weapons that are more offensive. If you're trying to play def defensive, yada yada yada. If you're trying to pick up coins and currency, you know you have those different types of options. Um, so that also again it means no two runs are the same because sometimes you're playing on a more offensive uh strategy sometimes you're going more defensive sometimes you're just trying to collect more currency for like the metagame stuff that happens between runs because you have like this kind of central hub base where you can kind of build up this this area i guess where like the dead are coming in and hades is there like just chatting shit and like throwing shade at you while he's trying to do his uh, job you've got cerberus like the three-headed dog just sitting next to him just chilling out there that you can go up and pet um and you've just got these other characters that like do bits and pieces that you can go and you know there are like certain in-game currencies that if you collect them during your runs you can go give them and they can give you like different passive abilities so you know like do 20 percent more damage to players uh, to enemies facing you or you know like different kind of passive abilities like that and yeah, it's it's a very good game. It's a very pretty looking game. Uh, the soundtrack fucking slaps. Um, I do think though that the actual like mechanical flow of the combat, it's and I keep making the comparison to Dead Cells, and maybe there are some people that wouldn't do it because that game came out a few years ago. But again, I came to Dead Cells this year, and it's the comparison between the two is so very clearly similar. And just the actual like flow of Dead Cells is, and the, and the combat and how you like traverse the environment is way more satisfying than Hades is currently. Um, and I do think as well that, like you know, when you come up to uh, an item um, that you want to pick up in um, in Dead Cells, you can clearly see beforehand like what that item is. You can't do it in Hades. And I realized that actually, like, there's a fair amount of different, like, I don't want to say mechanics, but different things that happen in the game that aren't really, like, explained. And it feels very much, it feels very much like a game that's been designed for people, or designed by people that know roguelikes, to be played by people that know roguelikes. You know, there's no real, like, heavy explanation of how all these things work. And even for me... As someone who, who's played a lot of roguelikes, it wasn't until I was about eight or nine runs in that certain things kind of like I clocked into, oh, that's what that does. Or, oh, that's what that does. And, you know, to some degree, it's fine because it's expected that you're going to play a game like this and you're going to do multiple runs and you kind of figure out things uh, in succession. But sometimes, you know, 
like there's there was one um there was one pickup and like every time you you like pick up an item or a, 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 an ability it gives you like three different abilities to pick from so it'll be like you know you'll do 60 percent less damage to uh trap arena uh, things in the environment or you know you have like 10 percent overall increased armor or you know different things like that so you you know you have to pick and by the end of the run you've you know got all these different uh, like power-ups and so every again every run is different can they carry stuff over runs like is there sort of a new game no. plus there's not no 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 the only things that you carry over like is so when you come back into the like the central hub again um you have like anything that you've picked up from your last run so there's like these gems that you can use to pick up specific abilities like you know that make you stronger uh, give you like an extra life every run there's little bits like that but all of the the, the abilities that you pick up during the run they are only specific to that run which is kind of like a a, a a specific thing to roguelikes which they do there's usually like the currencies and bits and pieces like that they'll follow through into the meta game because that's where you unlock like other bits and pieces but then there's the passive abilities and you'll always have a passive ability and you'll always have a specific weapon um and you there's like five or six weapons that i currently have i don't know if there's more but there's like a bow and arrow uh, a shield that kind of acts like captain america shield there's like these gauntlet gloves and you have to pick up keys um throughout your run uh, to unlock these weapons and then there's this whole thing that i think that like it every time i defeat like the first boss with a different weapon it kind of gives me uh like a, a kind of notification that hey you've defeated this boss with a new weapon and i guess it plays into something in the end run uh, i'm not sure yet i'm really liking it i do think that hades is a very very good game i think it's very well put together very stylish but i do think currently that still just the general flow and just the general like how you go from like one enemy to the next like sometimes i feel with um dead cells that there is like actual like there's tactics involved to how you play dead cells but with with hades currently it does feel like a bit of a button masher and certainly when you get towards some of the the latter levels i'm constantly hammering the a button which can give you a dash and certainly as you get through like if i can find any of the pickups that allow me to have like more dashes or the dash will give me like so, uh, any kind of like offensive advantage as well or even defensive i'm using that and certainly towards some of the, the latter levels i'm just hammering the dash button getting a punch in where i can and then hammering the dash dash again and it's not really like it's not tactical it's just surviving uh, and that isn't it's tense but it's not as enjoyable as some of the stuff that i was doing in dead cells and certainly towards some of the the latter levels in dead cells as well so um yeah it's it's good i do i am gonna spend some more time with it uh, i've seen some people on twitter have been really singing its praises i'm not quite at that level i you know like i've some i've seen some people saying it's their game of the year wow. i don't think it's gonna get to that point for me um it could be like a top five maybe but i i do think it has a few not not so much flaws but shortcomings against some other roguelikes yeah, you don't sound entirely convinced that it would be a, a top fiver for you. I've definitely heard you. Any of the three games that you've talked about so far, you sound more. Uh, uh, sorry, two other games you talked about so far, you sound more infused by. Uh, yeah. I, well, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's. I'm. I'm really like it. 
the last couple of months have been i'd say like the last two months have been really good in terms of uh like me looking at the end of the year and and having a whole bunch of games to look at now and actually be like okay what actually is going to be you know in my top five come the end of the year because last year it was ape out and then nothing came along afterwards but this year is a little bit more there are a bunch of games here and some have their strengths and weaknesses and i i'm not 100 percent like if you asked me last week and asked me this week i'd probably give you two different answers uh which means that you know when we do the end of the year show it's it's gonna be interesting and i am looking forward to that okay cool so I see here you have Hitman 2 down, and uh, <laughs> I, I guess it's been, what, like three weeks since we last spoke about Hitman, so I guess it's time for another runaround. No, I mean, it really is just off the back of um, watching this, uh, uh, watching Big Mooney stuff on YouTube. I just forgot how fun it was to just fuck around with stuff in Hitman, and I don't even know how I got to watching uh, Big Mooney. I, I don't even think I was seeking it out, but you know how sometimes YouTube just suggests something out of the blue, like, there's nothing that you've necessarily looked at that's right in that familiar, but you've watched enough videos around something that they, they then target that one thing at you. Yeah, and I just got targeted to kill everyone challenge, and I, yeah, I just went into Hitman and just had a mess around and blew up some stuff and, you know, killed some people in some amusing ways. I uh, wasn't really playing the game to try and beat the game, was just playing the game to try and fuck around with the game and i forgot how much fun that was and just give me hitman 3 now uh mark just give it to me i need it i need to play the the new hitman <laughs> i need the hitmans all of the hitmans right now uh, i i i struggle to f see a scenario where hitman 3 doesn't do any like at minimum, Hitman Three should just, you know, be just more, more Hitman. Uh, you know, I yeah, give me. I would be very now. sad to live in a world where Hitman Three disappoints you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, I think yeah, like it's sort of like Tony Hawk's Five level of disappointment. Um, at least I was kind of prepared for that because Tony Hawk's Remaster wasn't great, even though I liked it because of the nostalgic kick. But then, like, going back to the mechanics afterwards and people saying about this and the other thing, I was like, yeah, I do kind of agree with that. Like, whereas, like, Tony Hawk's wanted to perfection and still continues to be perfection. And I'm very close to finishing a few things to get towards that platinum on that game. That's how much I, I played that. Uh, and didn't think that I needed to carry on, I guess, talking about it week on week before people will lose their shit with me. Uh, but they'll probably lose their shit with me more, like, me talking about Hitman again. Uh... I, I from from what we've seen the very brief glimpses of it like that level in the skyscraper in uh, in the Emirates and this is a, either Dubai or Abu Dhabi just looks so incredible that I'm just immediately excited to to touch whatever that game's going to be and yeah if it's more Hitman it will be great I don't really think there's too many wrinkles that they need to add and I don't think there are many games from this generation that have had the intense replayability for me, for Hitman, just to go and just... Honestly, you know, you stream games, Mark. Uh, just open Hitman 2. At some point in the next month for one of your streams, just go to a level. Don't even play it to try and... Just, just fuck around. Just have fun. It's so fun. Uh, yeah, so... I, I'm not going to go into another massive Hitman terrain, even though I've kind of already sort of done that, but I'm not going to carry it on. But yeah, 
uh, I was playing some of the Hitmans this week and give me the new Hitmans now, please. Io. Any any temptation to try out some Hitman VR? Uh, I'd need a VR headset. Uh, it's just if that is okay. It. Better question. Any temptation to get a VR headset to play Hitman? <laughs> I would, you know, I'll have a look at it. Um, I, I really want to play Half-Life Alex. Um, so if I could tie it up, because what console is Half-Life Alex? Just like PC at the moment, uh, VR. E- yes, I don't believe it's on PlayStation. I believe it's just it's Steam. Yeah, I need a couple of reasons, but if I look at someone playing Hitman VR and Hitman VR looks awesome, then yeah, I, I am stupid enough. <laughs> you were talking about a guy who at one stage earlier in his life didn't have uh or, or didn't have access to play football manager on his mac so like just bought a cheap windows laptop to play football manager so uh, i'm not above these actions uh that was a long time ago though oh man this is the problem when you give idiots like us money uh, we make, yeah make exactly. impulse purchases like that i was so i was reminiscing the other day with my good friend david neal about how <laughs> when i first got a job uh, in 2005 um my so basically because i'd only work for like two weeks out of the out of the uh, month and i was just doing weekends in a in a popular supermarket chain and I spent that entire first paycheck on the ticket to Reading Festival, um, which is what you do when you're like 17, 18. And then he, and then it reminded me from chatting to Dave that I spent my, <laughs> like t- maybe two thirds of my entire next paycheck on a PSP uh, and the burnout game for PSP. And I don't regret that one bit because I had a fucking blast. And, and I remember going around his house just uh, hacking the fuck out of that thing and yeah so uh, i i'm good at accumulating money but not good at keeping money mark here's my point i i remember my first paycheck uh i worked over the christmas period or like relatively around the christmas period so i did like a whole bunch of overtime and i actually ended up my, my first paycheck i made about like i'm gonna say eight or nine hundred quid and the first thing i did was i bought 10 cds i went on to like cd well or something <laughs> yeah and uh, I remember the only CD I remember of the 10 that I got was the No Doubt Greatest Hits. I can't remember what any of the others were. Uh, and I just remember my nan looking at me as like, you sure you want to do this? Like, fuck all right, I do. It's my money. <laughs> that's, um, yeah, that's that's Yeah, probably Music magpied them for like a pound each. <laughs> I, I honestly, like over the years, I, I still have a bunch of CDs, but most of them I've just given away to charity because yeah. I, I can't even be fucked with trying to fucking Music Magpie with them at this point. Best No Doubt song? Uh, spiderwebs. That is the correct answer. Is it? Hey. Yes. Attaboy. Yeah, I love spiderwebs. What a great song. It's it's just enough of the sort of no doubt pop sensibilities and sort of uh, scar revival of the mid to late nineties to not be obnoxious on either front. So yeah, I quite like spiderwebs. And I, I really like the the end bit where it goes into like that the uh, like double time sequence yeah. where it slows down yeah. and yeah and it kind of fades out. Yeah, yeah. good song. On that note, we are going to end this show here for another week. Uh, Please like, listen, share, and subscribe. We appreciate any love from you fine people. We are available on most podcasting platforms. Just search link to the cast, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to contact us for our mailbag or just say hi, or if you just want to keep up to date on our content that's posted, please check out the following at linktothecast.wordpress.com. Uh, we're on Facebook at Link to the Cast. We are on Twitter at Link to the Cast. 
uh, on Twitter, I am Mark Robinson X2. He is Jack Lazell. When Dave is here, he is the day to Dave. And sometimes he's available on twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast as well. Uh, also make sure that you are subscribed to this feed because we have some other podcasts we do. Myself and friend of the show, Brian Rose, did our preview of the G1. Thumbs up for me. I enjoyed it. Oh, thank uh, you very much. Wave. This is my virtual wave at Brian Rose. I don't think I've ever had a, an IRL conversation with him, uh, but yeah, he, he, he does good work. And if you are remotely interested in wrestling, specifically Japanese wrestling, uh, as a fan uh, listening to it rather than a, a creator, uh, I very much enjoyed that and enjoyed last year's and any time you've done that. So yeah, good stuff, oh, mate. Thank you very much, Jack. Would you like to know that I have currently watched every single Champions Carnival N1 victory and... G uh, G one show, which I think is about about twelve to thirteen different wrestling shows in the span of about a week, and my brain is a little bit fried at this point. Speaking as a guy who, in social situations when he was bored, used to whip his phone out and watch Japanese wrestling, I am not surprised by that. <laughs> well, I mean, I uh, I've. Um, in some ways, been fortunate enough to have this week off, unfortunate enough because it came at the result of a colonoscopy, uh, but I have a lot of spare time on my hands at the moment. So, um, yeah. yeah, Japanese wrestling and Mario Galaxy, whoop, whoop. I mean, that's basically what you were doing 10 years ago. So, uh, I mean, when you find perfection, why improve on it, eh? I, that's also kind of tragic in some ways as well. On that note, I am Mark Robinson. He is Jack Lazell. Jack, say goodbye. Uh, I'm off to walk into spiderwebs, Mark. Leave a message and I'll call you back. <laughs>